Will you pray with me? Oh God, a broken heart, a fainting soul, a contrite spirit. Together cry for your forgiveness and your grace. Lord, forgive us for our forgetfulness. Help us to remember our true story. Amen. So today uh, and next uh, Sunday, I'm going to be preaching on Jeremiah, uh, the prophet Jeremiah. And with all due respect to uh, Three Dog Night, he, he was not a bullfrog. Uh, he was more than that. Uh, at least the one in the Bible. Jeremiah lived uh, about 600 years before Jesus walked the face of the earth. Um, Jeremiah was what they called a weeping prophet. He, um, he was in the minority uh, in what he thought and what he felt. He was not a prophet who was bought by kings or princes. And so he just told it like it is. And um, prophets are not people that necessarily have crystal balls and can predict the future Prophets in the Bible see reality more deeply so that other people can see. And uh, if they're brave, they tell the people what they've seen. Now, last week we heard Jeremiah's calling. And like a lot of prophets, when God said, Jeremiah, I want to call you, Jeremiah said, God, I think you got the wrong man, right? Because that is hard work when you have to tell people, what they don't want to hear. The preeminent uh, Old Testament um, writer on a lot of this prophecy, his name is Walter Brueggemann. He's a Lutheran from South Carolina. He said this, The task of prophetic ministry is to nurture, to nourish, and to evoke a consciousness and perception alternative to the consciousness and perception of the dominant culture around us. Prophet's job is to get people to see things differently, the way God sees them. A prophet's job is to wake people up. And this is a hard text that Susan just read for us, right? It's not a real sunny and cheery one, because in a way, Judah, God's people, God's special and peculiar people, are sort of on trial, right? And they're being questioned. And, um, they're being questioned because they've, they've forgotten their story. Do, do you not remember how things started? You got rescued from Egypt. You were slaves. I took you out of slavery. I split the sea for you. I fed you manna. I gave you water, fresh water. Took you to the promised land. Do you not remember that? You are my covenant people. So... Things were going really bad for this tiny nation of Judah back in that mid-century, the time that um, Jeremiah was called. Judah's worst nightmare was coming true because there was this country, Babylon, and it was milking Judah 
dry. Decade after decade, starting in about 597 B.C. all the way through to about 530, they would come in, um, they would terrorize the country, uh, they would kill some, they would take the most talented and most educated people and they would cart them off to Babylon to, so that they could use their skills. And this was going on year after year. More skilled people leaving Judah, more of the poor left in Judah. And then all of a sudden in 587, it was kind of Judah's 9-11 and Pearl Harbor wrapped into one. Uh, that was when just the worst thing they could possibly imagine, the temple where they believed that, you know, God and heaven and earth touched, they just ground it up into dust, burnt it up, took everything, looted it out of the temple, and the economy was uh, destroyed. Family life was radically altered. It was the worst case scenario. Um, and it just got worse and worse. It was a multi-layered disaster where people lost everything. Not just things, not even just the temple, culture, family, customs, home, and church. It was loss of life, trauma of grief. And though I don't want to compare our situation to being invaded by a country, and um, uh, to, I don't want to get that dramatic, but I will tell you, doesn't it feel like the last couple years in a lot of ways, we've kind of, everybody, I'm talking about everybody, just as, we kind of, we've lost a little life, a little connection. We've, uh, we've been isolated. We're stressed. We're worried about the economy. It's kind of wobbling and struggling. Food pantries, I'm told, are reporting record numbers of people served. We've got to check our, you know, our, our bank account before we put gas in the tank. L luckily, it's going down, but still. Rising suicide rates. And they get younger and younger. No, we're not Judah, but it sure feels like we're going through something right now. The day-to-day -day grind for many of us is just too much. And we carry that around with us, that, that burden, we carry it around with us. We, we think we can come and um, escape it all. Maybe we can uh, to church, but even in church, things are going sideways. You know that. Everybody's all stressed out, mad at each other. Dividing up the United Methodist Church. All that stuff is happening right before our eyes. We can feel all we've loved and we've known slipping away. This is Jeremiah's world. And in some ways, this is our world. No wonder he wanted to give excuses to God he didn't want to do it. Poor Jeremiah. The weight of it all just seems impossible because nobody was listening to him. The people have lost their way and they lost their way says this text, because they lost their story. They forgot about their story. And when we lose our stories about who we are, other stories come in to take their place. When we lose our story, we start to troubleshoot and think we can do it all. We can fix it. If we try hard enough, if we give it the old college try, we can do it. And then when they don't happen, we're full of excuses. Things go wrong. Right? Somebody else's fault. We scapegoat other people for our problems. That's our problem-solving mode. We point the finger at others. The problem is never us. We can see something needs to change, but... And you see, that's all backwards. Because that's 
story starts and ends with us. And there's a deeper story that does not begin with us. And that is our true story. It's not about trying harder and it's not about blaming other people. And it's not about making artificial enemies in this world. Here's the question. The commentator did this, said this on, on this text. How much of your life are you willing to surrender to God? That's the question. It's not whose fault this is. How much of your life are you willing to give to God? We live in an independent culture, right? Pull yourself up on your bootstraps. We raise our children, hopefully, to be what? Independent, don't we? And that's not a bad thing. But we can't do it on our own. That's not our story. That means we might be wrong. That might means that we need to be open to change. It, it means not trying harder. It means trusting more deeply is what it means. Jeremiah is aghast on God's behalf. And he expresses God's utter incredulity. That the chosen people have chosen to go against the Almighty. It's like they've traded God for gods they can handle. Little trinket gods. They forgot about the God who brought them out of Egypt and through the wilderness. They exchanged the creator to the universe for lesser gods. Have you ever met anybody that was born on third base and thought they hit a triple? That's Israel. And when we lose our story, when we lose our primal story that God, it all starts with God's grace, not my accomplishments then we get in trouble. Like I said, the setting of Jeremiah 2 is a courtroom. And, uh, and it's like, don't you remember who you are? Now, some of you are like me. When you were a teenager and you went out to ride the boulevard or to hang out or went out on a date or, or you know, God forbid, you were at an all-night skating rink like the, you know, the lock-in. You remember those lock-ins? What did your mama tell you? Don't forget who you are. Don't forget you're a case or whatever, right? Like, please don't embarrass the family. You know, please behave kind of thing. Don't forget who you are. Remember who you are. Remember that you've been forgiven. That our story is not that we're all that. It's that God is all that and God's grace has healed us, inspired us, and made us whole. And that is our hope. That's the powerful claim on our lives. It's a deep reality that goes way past our teenage years, right? The stories we remember and tell to one another and tell in worship matter. From its beginning, Israel knew itself as a people delivered from the grip of bondage by mighty, act, mighty acts of God. And that story is no longer told, contends Jeremiah. That's our problem. It's not Assyria. It's not Egypt. It's not Babylon. It's that we become our own worst enemies. Did you completely forget everything the Lord's done for you, says Jeremiah? Did you not remember that astonishing escape from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the land of plenty? Have you completely forgotten? Because when we forget that story... Other stories fill their place. We become yes, but people. 
I know I need to grow in my faith, but I don't have the time. I know they need somebody to help out in this at the church, but I don't know. I've already done that. I've bought the t-shirt. I don't need to do that anymore. I know I need to forgive, but... And so, no stories when we forget that primal story, the story that we've been saved by grace through faith. Then we become a yes, but people. And that's not the kind of people the world needs. The world needs yes and people. And we've got to remember, maybe we remember that also. It's trite, but it's true. But for the grace of God, go I. That compassion that's so missing in this world. And once we're humbled into into realizing that I'm not anything special. God just says, I love you. Take my love. That's where it all started. It's football season, so i got to share one football analogy, right? So Nick Saban is driving through West Virginia, and he's driving through his old hometown. He's taken his wife through his old hometown just a couple years ago, and they drive by an old broken-down gas station that Nick's uh, wife's old, first boyfriend, old boyfriend owned. And Nick looked at her and said, just think, if you had married him instead of me, you'd be living in this town and uh, helping out at that gas station. She said, no, if I'd married him, he would have been the head coach at Alabama. <laughs> I mean, you got to know where you come from and know that there's... Yeah, roll, tide, roll. Hell State, hotty, toddy, to the top, wherever you, wherever you are on that. But like, where did you come from? Where is this atmosphere that I've got to go around saying, well, I've done my part, and I've, I, I didn't make any mistakes, or I didn't do it, I didn't that. They should do it. They should, they should know better. They should do better. No. No. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank God, God didn't wait for me to start doing good stuff before God poured God's grace on me. They had forgotten. Jeremiah was trying to remember. When you forget the story, it's easy to make it all about you. It's easy to make it all about me being on the stage. Easy to look out for number one. And when that happens, when we forget, we can get on that yes, but train. Right before Babylon defeated Israel, uh, they surrendered to Jerusalem on every side. So like that last siege in the the 5th or the 6th century, uh, there they had it surrounded. And there are really impressive aqueducts uh, there. And when you go to Israel now, you can see some that are really old. They figured out a way to get some of that water from the mountains into their cities. And what Babylon did on that last defeat was they cut off all their water supplies they cracked their cisterns so that they could starve them out. And it was brutal. Jeremiah is not just talking about the physical cracked cisterns, but the spiritual ones that need to be repaired in our lives. God, something's going, going on that maybe I need to adjust to. Maybe I need to do that R word, right? Repent. Maybe Methodists don't talk about that enough. Maybe I need to change my ways. Maybe I need to remember my first story. And that is, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. John Wesley, the starter of the movement, was just kind of going through life, one blunder after another, trying to do it himself. And he forgot that story. 
But in 1738, he was at a Bible study. Um, and he said, you know, after that, he got this sort of second wind, this spiritual second wind. He said, you know, I kind of always knew that Christ died for people or the world. He said, but somehow I could hear Christ call my name. Jesus died for me. And God is saying, you have forgotten your first love. Quit trying to get water out of those cracked cisterns and find it out of the living fountain. The stories we tell, the things we remember, they matter. In our church, they matter. In our families, they matter. In our state, they matter. In our country, they matter. Are we held in shape by a gracious God who brought us out of Egypt? Is that your story? Or do we think we got here by our own bootstraps? Stories determine your trajectory and they shape your path. We can, we can either choose the story of a gracious God whom we can trust or we can go it alone. The most powerful person, you know this, the most powerful person in the room is the person who gets to tell the story. So be careful who you listen to. When the chips are down and when things get tough, and they will, please don't tell me I've got to try harder. Tell me that there's somebody more powerful than I am that will hold me up. Remind me who I belong to. That's the story that I've got to hear over and over and over again. And when that happens, I go from a yes but to a yes and. I know things are tough and God is with me. I know I'm down. I feel broken. And God wills for my healing. I know it's going to be hard to forgive. And I know Jesus will help me do that. You know, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? Did you know one of the people was Jeremiah? It's because... Jesus tried to tell that primal story over and over again and nobody would listen to him. And they mistreated him, but he knew it was worth reminding them that God is not vindictive or fickle, that God loves you. And that was too much for them to take. Jesus took the bread and the cup. He gave it to his disciples. He said, do this in what? Remembrance of me. Remember, don't forget, remember don't be like the religious leaders of the day who think they're all that. You are not, and it's okay. Not by your might, but by my strength. Quit trying harder and learn how to trust more. So what stories do you remember that shape you and keep you humble? What do you hold dear in your heart to remind you that we're on a mission at St. Luke? That we're free to serve, to welcome, and to love others as Christ has loved us. That we can not do the impossible on our own, but in Christ all things are, are possible. That's the question that will shape us. So go back to the story. In my ordination papers 25 years ago, one of the questions, there were several questions, and one of the questions was this. How do you interpret the statement, Jesus Christ is Lord? You know, we know Him as Savior. We know Him as friend. And rock and shepherd. But what about Jesus as Lord? I had to answer that. Did you know that's the very first confession of the Christian church? 
Before the Apostles' Creed, there was Jesus as Lord. Because when they said that, what they were saying is Caesar is not. Jesus calls my shots. Jesus tells me who I am, not other people. Jesus is the Lord of my life and guides me. I choose to surrender to Christ and trust that, that that is the bedrock of my story. I answer the call even when it gets tough. Because my Lord said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. And let anyone who comes to me drink. Yes, and God will give you the words. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. God so loved the world. Yes, and. God so loved the world. Even though I may die, death is not the last word. Yes, and. God is calling me to make Disciples for the transformation of the world. Yes, and. Keep going. Yes, and. So we might find ourselves in the valley. And when we do, we know what to do. Because we have the scars to know what to say and to be. Trust, trust, trust. Judah fell. Exiled for 70 years. Being Christian doesn't mean that life is easy. But we are in it together, St. Luke. Light. Hope and grace will break through the cracks and God is with us. How much of your life are you willing to give to God? Corey Ten Boom said this, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. The story of God's redemptive love, when God pulled you up and said, I love you and I forgive you. Let's start again. Y'all remember that? That's our story. Remember? Let's pray. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. It all comes from you, O Lord, even when we forget that is so. Loosen our grips on our egos and on our pride, and humble us, God, that we might trust you more deeply so that we might be yes and people and make a difference in this world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we close our worship today, 410 is, uh, is the number I want a principle within. I invite you to stand as we sing.